welcome once again into the Soccer OG. Hey, that's me, Max Prelos. This is episode 11. All the way up, all the way up. Where do you go from there? Exactly nowhere. You go to 11. As I always like to do, a reminder for you to please subscribe, rate, and review. I have truly gotten behind this project. I'm excited where it's going. Summer is here, and there is a lot on tap, so get in now and tell a friend. And say whatever you want on these podcasts, where all podcasts are available. You will find The Soccer OG. This week, in the business end, I will be joined with the man that I consider the hardest working person in American soccer. He has done so much on the content side. He has broken through barriers. I am learning from this man all the time. He's so good on the content side. You forget how great he was as a player. Jimmy Conrad. Despite all those nice things I just said, it doesn't mean I'm going to take it easy on him in the business end. That's what we do. We are talking football. We will be getting after it. Later on Stoppage Time, I'll be taking a closer look at the American soccer broadcast environment. TV, the undiscovered country. Where is it going from here? In the post-pandemic era, how do we get people to watch this sport on TV? The Premier League has shown us the way, and now this incredible news that ESPN is going to drop $1.4 billion to cover the Spanish League. What does it mean for Major League Soccer? I will be talking to you about that, and I will paint a very good picture the Soccer OG. Subscribe today, rate and review. It's time to get started in the show. We are back here on the Soccer OG in Seattle. I am joining you right now in my hotel room in Seattle, here to cover the game. We're just getting started with traveling again. I can't believe it. I know a lot of people are not traveling. I know uh, a lot of leagues are putting a kibosh on it. But by hook or by crook, I am here. (laughs) And I'll be there working for 110 Football as well as LAFC to bring a pre and post game. Check out all of that. I'm, I'm so excited about what's happening in this industry because it's you want to get involved. There's so much going on. I'll talk about that a little bit later in stoppage time when I will talk about the, the broadcast situation. It's There's a lot of momentum. There's a lot of momentum in what the numbers are doing, what the numbers are going to become, obviously with players breaking through, the development of the women's professional game. It's... It, all that It's still slow growth, but you, you would be crazy not to invest in this sport right now. You'd be a lunatic. You want to make some money? You've got you to spend a little money. I'll also have Jimmy Conrad, and I, I'm going to say this nicely. I'll say it when he's here, but you know I've had guests in the past, and all of them are first rate. We bring you the big national voices. That's, what I, that's how I roll. This is a show where you're hearing people that you see on your monitors all the time and in a different light. I'm not, I'm not interviewing them. They're here to like go forehead to forehead, mano y mano, to talk about the game. And I think we agree a lot of the times, but there'll be times when we don't. And I don't know about Jimmy, but Jimmy, for me, he finished playing, wasn't given anything, so he looked at what was happening in the industry. And, you know, we were so slow going from linear TV. You know, I was at ESPN and I was a sports center anchor. And then within a year, it all changed where that seemed like a, a profession that you don't do anymore. It was the biggest, I mean, it was the biggest role for me growing up. But now you can get content everywhere and you've got to self-start. And nobody's done a better job than that, than Jimmy Conrad. 
he is remember he played at a World Cup. He's the guy who played at a World Cup. Great defender from Temple City, California. That's Inland Empire. I'll have to ask Jimmy. I think so. Which also gave us Landon Donovan that that part of the world. So Jimmy will get in there. He know he watches so much sports that he's an incredible resource. So I'm not going to sit here and keep waxing poetic about him. But I I call him all the time and say, Jimmy, what do you do here? He was the first on YouTube. He was the first uh, streaming on Twitch. He was the first creating content on every social media handle and rolling and learning where he's just, I mean, he's, he's, I'm not going to tell him this. I mean, the the world is his oyster. I just want to see what he does. So ahead of this here in my hotel room, got to watch what was happening Sunday and I reached out to Jimmy earlier. I didn't include these subject matters. We did. T- we were going to talk about the Spanish league and what you see and how you fall in love with this sport again and, you know, protests and everything that's going on. And it's it's hard. And, and no fans, obviously. We're, sadly, we've gotten used to it. Not really, but you just take it for granted. But fans are getting back. And you see the difference it makes. How, the, the game at the FA Cup, the FA, the Wembley, when it's empty, is the worst place to watch a football game on TV. It is the worst. It feels like they are in the Grand Canyon. And it's bellowing. The audio's all messed up. You get whatever, 20, 30, 40,000 people in there, and it becomes the best. It's unbelievable. Just a reminder what the fans do. So watching that on Saturday, and all the leagues are wrapping up, and you get a little sad, but then you look at what's happening coming this summertime, and everything's happening. Man, these soccer players, there's no rest for the weary. But then I had the game, Liverpool's West, I had the game on TV, Liverpool and West Brom. I, I, don't, I really don't, didn't really care much what's going on there. Okay, Liverpool can get the Champions League, but it's West Brom. And then I was following the Spanish League on my phone. And then it happened. Allison of Liverpool gets up there, the goalkeeper. They need a goal. It's 1-1. And then he heads in this ball, and everything's changed. It's become one of the biggest moments in Premier League and Liverpool history. Then the Spanish League... We know Atletico, Real Madrid, and Barcelona are all vying for that title. Barcelona collapse. Real Madrid get the goal. Atletico fall behind. You're like, Atletico's blowing it again. They're blowing it. And then a goal by Hernan Lodi, assisted by João Félix. And then the game winner from El Pistolero, Luis Suarez. Atletico win. And now they have the two-point lead heading into next weekend. And I can't wait. It's enthralling. So we'll talk a little bit about that. I just want to let you know where I was at because this is a this is a reminder why we do this. And I'm really excited. I'm always excited with the podcast, but I'm even more excited this time around because of what we're going to discuss. So let's bring in Jimmy Conrad. Coming up next, it's the business. And a reminder to please subscribe for the Soccer OG. Spread the word. I'm not going to say. I always say that. I go, hey, we're going places. I don't know that. I don't know that for sure. But I'm very optimistic about what I'm what I am hearing. So please subscribe. We'll be back with Jimmy Conrad in the business end. Let's go. Welcome back into the Soccer OG. And man, I'm going to be tested here in the business end. There's no doubt about it because there's a legit OG. The man who I know is the hardest working man. (laughs) Wait a minute. Let me introduce yourself before you start (laughs) laughing. (laughs) The, the man, as I, I said in a previous segment, you didn't get to hear it. 
Jimmy, but that, as you know, I call you all the time and you are a wealth of knowledge. I'm just, there's no one like you in my estimation <laughs> who has adapted to the rolling punches or whatever you want to call them in this industry than Jimmy Conrad, former U.S. international World Cup player. We always, the more that I see you on TV, people forget that, Jimmy. I don't know if that's good. People forget how much of a baller you are because you've become this, this content ma ma maestro <laughs> working for CBS. We're Kick TV back in the day, and I know you have a hands on a lot of stuff. But, Jimmy, absolute pleasure to, to, to go to hook horns here with you. On my Max, little podcast. Max, Max, I'm honored to, to get the invitation, to get the call up. So so this is a big deal for me. I, I remember we've had these, <laughs> no, we've had these discussions before. Before honestly, people listening, before, before I, I used to watch Max religiously when he was on Fox Soccer because he would do like the, the MLS highlights. And I was just hoping that that I would warrant my name being dropped because I did something that was that was special enough in the game. Now I'm a lowly center back, so there really wasn't much, but I'd score the odd goal from time to time. And there were times where Max said my name. And I remember, remember, I don't think I've told you this, but we we I saw you at LAX when I was still playing. It was just me and you, and I ran I'm like, oh my God, it's Max Bredos. And I yes. had to go up and say hi to you. So so yes, I, I appreciate all the the love that you're giving me, but I've always had love for you. And and what I really like about the way that you conduct yourself, even on camera, which isn't easy to do because because we've obviously evolved into a very hot take culture where you have to have an opinion, you know, to get people's attention these days. You got to say something that you might not even believe in, but that's what you're supposed to do. And I always thought that you treated everybody fairly, and I have nothing but respect for that. All right. Well, thanks for joining us here on the Soccer OG. <laughs> Jimmy, what a beautiful thing to hear. And there's a, a guy who's been helping with on this project, and he goes, man, these people, everyone who have on you speaks so highly of you. I don't know. And it's it's just blows me away. So if nothing else comes of it to have that exchange and these wonderful comments being said it just blows me away honestly it makes me very emotional so i appreciate that and one thing about you and i see how hard you work and we'll get into some football here obviously sure. of course of course was just the way how and i've seen you on, on tv and how the, you are the same as a player a person as a <laughs> broadcaster and you bring this levity which is always viewed in such a strange light in what we do but you're like you, you push through there and say, this is who I am. And I want to have fun. I want people to have fun. And I, I can tell you, if someone tells you otherwise they are wrong, that is what makes people come in and listen because you're having a good time and they're saying, I want to have a good time with this dude. Oh, I appreciate that. I, I think that what's been hard initially when I first got started and I retired was that you had to, or at least felt like I had to fit into the mold that already existed. And, and when I got into the YouTube space, I'm like, all right, I can breathe a little bit. I can be myself. And, and obviously it takes you some time to kind of find that balance of not being too much of yourself and trying to still adhere to some of the professional disciplines that, that come with the job. And it's once I got there, now it's nice to be on CBS and to feel like they're hiring for me for me. And, and they want me to be me. They don't necessarily want me to be like, you know, maybe some others that have come before. So that's been really refreshing. And, and obviously I'm very grateful for the opportunity amongst a lot of the opportunities that I get. But yeah, to be able to be myself and to, to enjoy the game like I do. And, and the fact that people like that as well and kind of share that same passion and enthusiasm. A, a very similar, I have people come up to me and go, oh man, I, I, I always liked soccer, but you really made me love it. There you go. Like, I was like, what are you, are we talking about the same? How my mom put you up to this? You know, how much my mom pay you to say stuff like no. that? So, so, so there's that. And, and I, really, I really take to that in, in a lot of different ways, but yeah, it's been an incredible journey. And I think what I learned in my professional athlete career that's helped me in this one is just the discipline and habits. And, and I didn't really have much talent as a player. I'll be honest, I'll raise my hand. But my talent, though, was commitment. 
and I was and it got you places and it got me places. I played for 12 years in a world cup and all that good stuff. But, but, and I, and so I, since I had that, that base of experience of knowing what good habits and discipline can provide for you, that, that really helped me out in this one, that if I just stuck with it, even if I wasn't good at first, I, I will get good at some point. <laughs> Work ethic and commitment and attitude, all of that attitude. attitude. Yeah, and, but so I, like, important. listen, no shortcuts. No shortcuts. And none of that. So you're going to do great, Jimmy. You're a smart I appreciate guy. That. And uh, the check is in the mail for your mom. She did ask me to say that. So I'm going to give her 50 bucks. That's the going rate. <laughs> you've, also, but you've also done a great job of getting uh, guests. I mean, that's hard to be the producer of some of these shows. So mm -hmm. and I, most recently you had Christian Pulisic. So is that out and available? I so is that on YouTube? It's on my YouTube channel, The Jimmy Conrad, but it was in partnership with FA Cup. So FA Cup tapped me on the shoulder to do some content for them ahead of the semifinals and then the final that just happened. And it did, we didn't know for sure if I could get any interviews. They were still kind of working on that behind the scenes. And they said, by the way, uh, we're going to be able to get Christian Pulisic because I had asked for him. And they said, oh, okay, great, cool. You know, I'll be ready. Just tell me, you know. Uh, how much time I have with them and I'll, you know, start to put out the outline of questions. And of course, when you're partnering with the FA cup, you got to let them see all the questions and all that. <laughs> and, and, and what I do though, is I have all the base questions and I'm not going to deviate. I'm not going to be a jerk with them. I'm not going to burn any relationships, but I don't tell them my follow-ups, you know? So I just try to make Beautiful. sure that, that I make up my, my stuff. And ultimately what they love the most are the follow-ups because it feels more natural. Right? So, so they said, well, listen, Christian is available before training. I said, okay, great. Wow, that's that's, two, that's weird, isn't it? Dude, two a.m. Two a.m. My time. <laughs> I I stayed up until two a.m. to interview Christian Pulisic. So when you guys watch the video on my YouTube channel, you're like, yeah, Jimmy looks looks a little bit more tired than than usual, you know. And that then energy. and yeah, and then two hour or excuse me, two days later, I got to interview Wilford and Didi from Leicester City at four a.m. I was like, all right, I'll take it. I can sleep it, first. And then cut you up. a break. Yeah, cut me a break at four a.m. But no, it was an incredible experience, and the fact that the FA cup and, and other brands that I work with would reach out and, and trust me in that way is obviously uh, so it's a big honor. Smart on their parts. And these, that list is going to keep growing. But now there was my segue, which was great because everyone wants to talk about Christian Pulisic. Mm -hmm. He is this breakthrough talent that we really haven't quite seen and all the great ones you know, we've seen in the past and the development of Clint Dempsey and Landon Donovan and a long list. We've never seen anything like this, you know, playing in a champions league final playing scoring goals in the Champions League semifinal, and then the FA Cup final. And that brings me to the launching point here, obviously Leicester City, and we'll talk about them a little bit. Beat Chelsea was a, a really compelling game. Fans at Wembley, which makes a huge difference. Mm -hmm, it, mm -hmm. Fans makes a difference in every stadium, but more so in massive venues like that. So it was huge. But I come in, and you know I've been on Twitter, and I go, and I go overboard. I know I do. And I always defending Christian Pulisic and his playing time. And I go, well, here we go again. And it goes back to when Frank Lampard, first game with Pulisic of the season, they played at Old Trafford, and he didn't start. And I'm like, wait, he's the record transfer. He, you know he wants to start the opening game at Old Trafford. But he didn't get that. And Christian, you know, obviously was a good, a good player about it. And they seemed to happen. And then the second se semifinal, the Champions League, not starting despite being probably the best player scoring the away goal. And this goes back with Thomas Tuchel. And I think in, in hindsight or in retrospect, he wasn't 100% Christian Pulisic, so not playing him a lot makes sense. Now, when I see the FA Cup, and this is like the old Trafford situation, it's the FA Cup, the final, and he's not in the 11. I'm like, you know, I'm sure. And I think a lot of people do it. He came on for 22 minutes, made a difference. He was very active, but 
Chelsea didn't get the result. I know that you can't second guess Thomas Tuchel. He's done everything right down the stretch here, but you could risk maybe not, you could risk ending the season without a trophy. I just wonder why, and maybe you got a feeling of this from Christian's interview, although I'm sure it was, more, it was closer about the FA Cup and this was before uh, playing in the game, is it's got to be frustrating. It seems like he's learning a very hard lesson more than most. I tried to dance around that. You know, what I learned very quickly in my first three questions with Christian was that he's very media trained. He <laughs> is going to give you kind of the base answers. I had to ask those first couple questions just because it was very contextual to the FA Cup and the final and the history of the tournament and tried to liken it to March Madness and all that good stuff. And, you know, I got him to laugh and he eased up by the time went on, but he wasn't going to get into it. And of course, of course. and as I, I even tried to bring up N'Golo Conte, who didn't start in the FA Cup final last season, didn't even play. And I was like, listen, coincidence you guys didn't win last season? I think not, you know? <laughs> and before he could even answer that, I just jumped in and cut him off. Because at that point, I'd given the three questions and he'd been very, yeah, very, very short and sweet. And I was like, all right, I, I need more out of this interview than short and sweet. So then I just cut him off and said, listen, give me Thomas Tuchel's number. I'll text him. You should be playing. He should be playing. You know what I mean? And like, try to, good try to bring good question uh yeah dude. yeah thank you i appreciate that and so he actually opened up at that point when i cut him off because we all know he was going to say something well you know the coach makes his decisions and angola conte is a great guy we love playing you know i, I knew what i was going to get from him so i had to figure out a different way and then he finally opened up and just as an aside he said well i do beat angola conte at chess you know and i i wasn't even ready for it because he had been so one note and so somewhat predictable up until that point I wish I had gone a little bit farther on that chess thing, but I also was feeling the time crunch because I only had like 10 minutes with them from the FA cup. So, and I had some other funny questions at the uh, end I didn't want to miss out on that said, I mean, I got into it a little bit, but I didn't take as deep of a dive because I feel like how you play chess is kind of how you, you see life oh, in some ways. And, see smart. and I didn't, I didn't go that direction. Cause I wanted to see, Hey, does Angola Conte play chess? Like he plays on the field. And do you play chess? Like, you know, you're aggressive taking people on. So, so, there's a lot of ways to answer this question. I didn't get into it. He didn't answer it. And well, what do you think? So, so I think that Thomas Tuchel, no, because he has that experience of coaching him at Borussia Dortmund, he knows what he has with, with Christian Pulisic. He knows that he can bench him and he probably won't be a squeaky wheel, right? Mm. But that when he comes on the field, he's going to give you everything and be a difference maker. Whereas if he sits maybe one of the other guys, you are going to get a little attitude. They might wow, bring a yeah. couple people down. I'm, I'm speculating here. But, no, of course, but, of course. But that is a really interesting, I, I say that because that's a really interesting take on that. And that there, it all feeds the, it all feeds the pot here about what does, we're seeing. It does. I thought Tuchel actually got his tactics wrong in the, in the, the FA Cup final. Yes. Uh, I think that's the one game we could say it where you can't really say it in other games. And I'm, I, I could stand back on that. But that's why I was a little hot over the weekend. I was hot too. You know, I thought that Christian did get a, uh, I think he got like a dead leg against Arsenal prior. So I thought, all right, now, now Tuchel has his, his excuse yeah. for why he's not going to start him. And I, I bet you we don't see Christian start in the Champions League final either. I just I have, a bad like, I have a bad feeling yeah. about that too because people yeah. ask and I go, don't hold. I mean, look, this is what he's going to go with. And I wouldn't expect it. Yeah, I mean, just when you look at the FA Cup final, the fact that he kept Timo Werner on for as long as he did really kind of speaks to either just trying to squeeze everything he possibly can out of Timo Werner or just how much blind faith and love he has in him because he probably should have pulled him a little bit earlier. Werner had his best chances of the game. And as Leicester, after they scored, Yuri Tielemans, by the way, what a bombasso. And a goal fit for an FA Cup final, by the way. But 
once they did that, you knew they were going to get all 11 people behind the ball. And at that point, because there's no space in behind the defense to exploit, Timo Werner, for me, becomes a little bit less uh, dominating. You know, you, 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 he loses his strengths a little bit, right? Which is because, what you would think he was, you would see from the manager. And you're like, because when I saw it also with, with Christian coming in the late as he did, and I'm like, man, this is, yeah. we all know, we're not managers. I'm not a manager, but you're singing. You go, okay, come on, come on, come on. It's, mm -hmm. You have something there that you know can change it, which it did when he came in. Christian for me has something and, and I actually haven't really thought of him this way, but when you brought up Clint Dempsey and Landon, he, he really does have the quickness of Landon, but the courage and confidence of Clint Dempsey. Yeah. Right. And, 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 and it's really interesting that they're, it's, he's kind of a hybrid of, of their, some of their strengths in some ways, because he'll always get the ball. He's so good in the half spaces where he'll turn and run at people. And in the game, the second leg against Porto, I don't know if you know this stat or not, but he, he was the most fouled player in a Champions League game since Leo Messi in 2011. He got fouled 11 times. And, and that just really speaks to what he's good at, which is that's picking up huge, the ball. But that's a huge stat, Jimmy. It that's, is a huge stat. To stop the ball and turn your team and move yeah. them forward, that's, everyone gets to take a break. That's huge. It's huge. It's huge. It's a real intangible that I don't know if stats really – we're so stat-heavy this, this, these days. Like We want to solve all of our problems with stats. Sometimes there's these intangibles. Some of it's just – a presence, right? Some players just have this aura. Sergio Ramos has that aura, right? Like he elevates, I mean, he didn't do so on leg two because he just hadn't played in three months, but, but more often than not, he elevates the players around him. Rafael Varane is like 10 times the player when he's next to Sergio Ramos and when he's playing with Nacho or Militao, right? So there are these little things. And I think that Pulisic has these qualities that maybe I didn't appreciate right away, but now that I can see it and I pay attention, I watch him play a lot more that do to your point, uh, allow the team to take a breath, to relax, to reset, to kind of regain maybe something they lost, whether it was possession or momentum or whatever it may be. And those are really invaluable for a team. So when you only put them in for 20, 30 minutes, when a team is now most likely, you know, he's got to break down five guys, it's going to be a lot harder for him to have success. That said, though, his confidence was a little shaken. And when he went back with the U.S. team and those friendlies, that really changed. And that was really an important thing, not only for him, you could see it with other, other players around the world and other national teams. There's something about being around your national team where you, you know, you can commiserate with those players. You go back into the national team camp and you're like, dude, my, my, my situation's shitty. What about yours? You and know? he can't, but that's great. Cause he, these guys are in the same boat as him playing for these top European clubs. And go, right. That, but you, that, but, but if, but if you're with your club team, Max, you're yeah. not going to, you're not going to, you don't want to no. show, you don't want to show any weakness. Right. So you, cause usually the people sitting next to you are people you're competing against for playing time. So you don't want to show that vulnerability, but when you go with your national team, those guys are your pals, you know, and you can, you can share with them. And so for him to have those week and a half or whatever, he came back from that and he's been lights out ever since. And so I, outside of being injured here and there, I just, he's a special player. He really is a special player. And, and I'm glad that, our national team is really starting to blossom in a way that we don't always need to ride, ride or die with how he plays. Like we're, we're getting good enough now that if, if, if Christian has a bad game or just doesn't have as much influence, we have other guys that can step up where I don't know if I could say that two years ago, but, but right now right. we can, we or, can say that. Or if he gets hurt, which is right. a possibility exactly. Exactly. when we get into this. So he's going to play the champions league final May 29th. And then we have the two USA games in the nation's league where they're going to send their first team on the third and the sixth. Yeah. Let's assume he doesn't start that champions league final and he gets to chat with these guys. Uh, and I imagine there's a lot of top clubs and we hear big clubs like Byron and Juventus are interested in, in, in a guy like, Christian Pulisic, and they're looking at this data and these stats. And they go, I need a guy who can do that. I know there's a long list of clubs that say that. 
I don't know what that means, but if you're playing 25 minutes and you're like, I got to play 90 minutes, this is a World Cup year. Plus, regardless of it being a World Cup year, I want to get in there and play these important games for a club because I, I deserve it and I should be that guy. He's still under contract with Chelsea, but I wonder if there's a push, but it, it would obviously have to be a perfect energy of him wanting that and another club kind of coming in saying we could, because I don't know if they're going to loan him out. They're obviously want a, a potential transfer fee. I don't know if it's going to match the transfer fee they pay for, and they don't want to lose an American player at Chelsea because there's a big dollar sign attachment. So there's a lot there. But do you think Christian might push for something like that? It, it, I think it, it's an opportunity for him to jump in the I, right now, I, the middle of his career, that's the top part of his career. I don't think over the summer. My guess is that he's going to wait to see, or if I was him, if I was his agent or his dad or whoever, let's just see. I, I know it's frustrating, but let's see what kind of moves Tuchel makes in the summer. Let's see what kind of maneuvering he does in the transfer window. And then let's see how the next six months play out. And then maybe push in January, but, but give it that six months because, you know, Tuchel's now going to have, I mean, he took the, he took the team in mid stride, right? So he hasn't had a chance to really sit back and, you know, get that 30,000 foot view of, of how the team's going to look and how he wants to shape them moving forward. I would give him that chance. They have that relationship. I think he could have a meaningful converse, conversation. Yeah. And then if, if Tuchel says, Hey, listen, you're going to be a, a key player for me. And then those next six months don't actually play out that way. Now he has that, that kind of card in his pocket. Hey, you told me this, but it's not happening. So I want to move, but, but you have to have that conversation as a player to really kind of set the stage. And I'm sure that he will, or his agent will, and then if Tuchel doesn't follow through for whatever reason, maybe the team's having success without Pulis, without Christian starting or whatever, then you can say, hey, I want to move in January. And then, and then you have like a really good, you'll feel good about it as a player, right? Because, because you gave it a chance, you know? And there's something about that that I think brings you some peace. If, if you're trying to create some havoc right now when Tuchel really hasn't had time to really, you know, have the three-year plan or whatever it is, you know, that, that, might, that feels a little bit rushed. And then you, I think you come off as kind of a, a high maintenance player and, and honestly, <laughs> but, every, but everyone's a high maintenance. That's player fair. There. That's There's fair. A lot of high maintenance that's players. fair. But I think that Pulisic has proven, you know, just by scoring against Real Madrid and, and, and anytime he comes on the field, you can tell the game shifts. Like he starts to, to be a lot involved. It's clear that the team's better when he's on the field. So it's, it's, it's just, you know, I mean, I'm sure Hakeem Zayek, agents feel in the same way. Like he can't get any minutes and Kai Havertz. I mean, there's a whole bunch of guys that could feel pretty aggrieved. Callum Hudson, Adoy, you know, so this is not going to be a, it's a good problem to have if you're Tuchel and Chelsea, because that means you have so many different options, but yeah, you're going to have some pissed off guys. Tammy Abraham's <laughs> one in particular who's probably on the move, you know? So it's, it's, that's why I think you give it the summer and you let, you let some things play out and you just focus on your national team. You go play with your friends, have a good time there. Let your agent do what you pay him to do. He's low maintenance and he delivers. That's a perfect player. I mean, that's what you want. So I, we could do a podcast on Christian Pulisic we in could. its entirety every week. <laughs> it's so compelling, especially with what he's going through. Thank goodness I'm not his agent. I'd probably get him <laughs> in hot water. So stay away from that. But I know it's, I, I, I would tend to agree with that. And it's fair to say that about Thomas Tuchel getting that time in the new season. But if the new season starts August, September, October, a similar situation, it's not going to be great uh, with that. But we shall see. Uh, we'll, we'll shift a little bit to Leicester City. I just wanted to mention something because we've been in the midst of the Super League and the Big Six in England, and uh, mm -hmm. there's been a lot of vitriol sent their way, rightfully so, mm -hmm. uh, and it continues going on. And then you have Leicester City wins the, wins the uh, Premier League in 2000, was it 16? 16. 2016, and now they win the FA Cup. 
Brendan Rogers is with this club. He's embracing the owner at the end, you know, the Sravad Haram Parab, sorry, Sravad Hana Prabha family. The father obviously died, the son's there. So you see that, that owner coach player relationship that we don't see in those other clubs, which is very touching. And then you see a situation where you have a club that does everything right. They sell players high. They buy players low. You mentioned Yuri Tillman. He's like, he was bought for 40 million euros. I'll tell you the euros. And then along guys like Wesley Fofana, who they get for a deal. But then they sold Harry Maguire, 87 million euros. Riyad Mahrez, 68 million euros. Ben Chilwell, 50. Danny Drinkwater, 40. And Golo Kante, they should have got some more money. Well, so they, doing... they got it from Drinkwater because Drinkwater is way overpriced. So. Oh, of course. <laughs> but that's everything they do is amazing. And, like, you know, the question is, Brendan Rodgers, they go to the big six. I'm like, no way. This is such a good deal. This has become a super club. This has become a super club at every department. Include, I mean, the player personnel, their mm-hmm. scouting is, you know, they replace McGuire with Sun Yunchu. They get replacements or everywhere. Guys are sometimes better. It's the best situation for a club. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think of Atalanta and what they do on a smaller yeah, scale. Yeah, yeah. But Leicester City, this is unbelievable. And if I was Brandon Rogers, I'd stay right there for the duration. Lifetime contract if that if they hand those out. Yeah, I, I, I think what's obviously very touching to your point is just the relationship and the stark contrast between the super league, super league owners uh, that, that seem to be just really disconnected from their, their fans and, and the club overall and that they're running it as a business. And I think we know the re- American ones very well. Yeah. Uh, that's just, and I think it's okay to run as like a business, but when sure. you see something like this, you see what, yeah. what they're looking for. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, I think it's really refreshing. And I think everybody was, excited that they had that moment and that it meant that much to everybody. This was the first trophy or FA Cup trophy that Leicester have won in their 137 year history. And, and this was their fifth final. They were the only club in British history to get to four finals and never win. So, so they had a couple things going against them. Also, Brendan Rogers is pretty well respected as a manager around the world. He had never won a trophy in England before. Now he went over to Celtic and dominated with a dominating Celtic team and, and won every trophy imaginable there. But this was his first trophy in England. And, and if he gets top four, I think he should be up for the Premier League Manager of the Year. I mean, he's done that much, especially when Jamie Vardy, who started off the season very well, has only two goals since mid-December. So, so you're doing it with, with struggles and injuries. Madison's been out. Harvey Barnes has been out. And, and to your point, they sold all these players. And what I love, I actually really love it, that Ben Chilwell left Leicester to go win trophies with, <laughs> with, with Chelsea. And he Favorite. got beat. He got beat in the FA Cup final. And they were booing him at the end because he scored and he celebrated a little bit. And as soon yeah, as he yeah. celebrated, they started, they, they started riding him a bit. And then it all turned incredibly. But, but one of the best things that ever happened to Leicester because it allowed them to play some of their younger players. James Justin was having a terrific season in that spot. He unfortunately got hurt. Uh, Fofana's another player. Um, they got uh, the Luke Thomas kid who's fantastic as well. And if Chen Chilwell was there, those guys would never, they just wouldn't play. And those kids would have to go out on loan. We maybe never even heard of them. But, but because they got those minutes and because there's that trust and there's that, this is how we run our club, no problem. We're going to give our younger players a chance. And if they, they prove to be the goods, then they can stay for as long as they want. And then we're going to sell them. I mean, what's crazy is we look at the Leicester team and they probably will lose Wilford Ndidi, who was another person I got to interview on my YouTube channel. Uh, super guy, 25-year-old Nigerian, so good. And, and I feel like Manchester United could really use 
somebody like Wilfred and Didi. A and lot of we'll pay teams. for him. And we'll pay for him, <laughs> right? And then you have James Madison. You have a Harvey Barnes. Uh, Ian Nacho obviously was with Man City and now he's with Leicester full-time. You know, he's he's one of the best he, scorers he in, was a late in, in bloomer. FA Cup in the last five years. He was the one guy that didn't deliver, and all of a sudden he delivered. He delivers, delivers. Uh, the guy scored the game winner in the round of 16. He scored two against Manchester United in the in – the, uh, I think the quarterfinals and the semis, he scored the game winner, Ian Nacho. What's funny is I, you know, I had to do all this, this research for doing all my stuff with the FA Cup. Since Ian Nacho, <laughs> listen to this. Since you Ian get Nacho, to use it again here. That's I, good. Get, I love it. I love it. Since Ian Nacho scored uh, or started his FA Cup journey ever, first ever time in 2016, he has 14 goals in 19 games. And there's no other player that's, that has that, that, uh, that rate in the FA Cup. So it, he loves the FA Cup and it clearly loves him. But uh, that was his quote, by the way. He said that. But, um, yeah, there's just something special. And, yeah, they, I thought Chelsea maybe got a little hard done by. They had more possession and, 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 and all that good stuff. And a, very, and a tough disallowed goal, which yeah, is millimeters. Yeah, it, it, is... it was tough. It was tough. I think if no VAR, I think that goal stands. And right. I don't think they had VAR earlier in the tournament. But for the final, apparently they did. So. Yeah, they rolled in the v- that, is, yeah. that drives me crazy. They yeah. did have the Libertadores. Not in the group stages, but in the round of 16. I go, but you could have eliminated a team in the group stage. I know, I know, no I know, I know. It's, uh, it's, it's fascinating. But anyway, fair play to Leicester. The, the, whatever sauce they're using, you know, keep, keep using it, whatever secret sauce. And, and I think all, all, honestly, it's just a lot of people that care about the club and are doing everything they can to make it better. It's, it's, be- it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, and Brendan Rogers plays an attractive style mm-hmm. of football, which is, you know, there's, he's British. He's from Northern Ireland. It should be noted there. And then a lot of times you get caught in that stereotype. This is the British way. It's very tough on uncom- mm-hmm. uncompromising, but that's not accurate. And Brendan Rogers, you know, the Germans and, Pep Guardiola and other brought this attacking style or a different style to the Premier League, and it's been exciting. But some English and British managers have kind of stood their own way, and they've had some success. But Brendan Rodgers has adapted and carried all of this and now taken it to a, another level. So it's it's wonderful to see, and I think people will look at the Leicester example and best they can in some way imitate it mm-hmm. because it's worth it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Jimmy, let's talk uh, La Liga. Mm-hmm. You, a lot going on here. And this, first, I should mention – because we didn't talk about Liverpool, Allison's header, which is obviously the viral moment, <laughs> and it. This is one of those. It's funny because you see this, and now you're gonna. If Liverpool qualify for the Champions League, even if they don't, it's something that we're gonna see. This moment of the goalkeeper coming in, heading the ball. They asked him afterwards, "Do you ever practice heading?" I go, eh, "Once in a while." Well, why would he? Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, heading's hard to do. You should know. You That's your bread and butter. That's I right. tell people, because I used to do try to head a ball, and I, you'd mistime it, and it hits your face, <laughs> and it hurts like the Dickens, or you're, you're all snot coming out of your nose after you try it. <laughs> like you're walking through a hornet's nest. But it's uh, I, I, that's one of those those trying moments. The crazy part is, like, nobody marked him. It's like he was Well, that's what I was going to say. You I, walked I, right <laughs> I mean, I was going to say, I mean, there's this wonderful story about Allison and, you know, his dad, unfortunately passing away and to re- so, such, such, such a sad story. So tragic. And, and he has all that emotional weight. And obviously this is a season overall in the pandemic and, and, you know, one thing after another with this Liverpool team, but for Allison specifically and for him to, to score, this is it's ridiculous. And, and to tie this in, they're now one point behind Chelsea for the fourth spot in the table. And we can now see, honestly, Chelsea lost the FA cup. Liverpool have Burnley and Crystal Palace left, right? Chelsea still have some work to do. They play Leicester again on Tuesday. Uh, so, so 
Chelsea have some have some work to do, and they could fall out of the top four. Chelsea lose the FA Cup and lose the Champions League final, and have nothing to show for the season, Max, which would be absolutely ridiculous. But but let's leave that aside. If if Liverpool get in the top four, it could be one of Jurgen Klopp's most rewarding slash successful seasons because everything went right for them when they won the league. Like, they didn't have any injuries. Everybody oh. was cruising. You know, uh, even even prior to that, when they won the Champions League, everything just kind of fell into place and they got a familiar opponent in the final. And that was there was like the worst 90 minutes I've ever seen for a Champions League final. But I was there and it was a lot of fun. That's actually, all that matters. I actually sat next to Luca Toni. I hadn't seen him since I played against him in the World Cup. Best, so, best celebration in one of the best celebrations yeah, ever. Yeah. With yeah, amazing, amazing, amazing. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's an incredible story. And obviously it'll mean a lot more if they can end up getting into that top four spot. But yeah, fair play to Allison. But anyway, that all that said, all that story stuff, when I watched the goal, the first thing I thought of, to your point, was what that <laughs> You're like, I wish I wish I had this much space when I was in no the corner. No joke. Kid. He didn't even need to jump, dude. It's like the guy's six foot three. He's wearing a different color jersey than everybody else. Maybe, maybe you could just put somebody on him just, just to slow him down a bit so he couldn't have a free header. It's ridiculous. Obviously, it, you know, a lot of set pieces are driven by, you know, who whips the ball in and then the pace of that. Like I scored a lot of my goals when Precky, who was was an MLS MVP twice when he would drop dimes to me. All I had to do was get to the spot and, and just redirect the speed that was on. Or Claudio Lopez, who played for Valencia and Argentina and, and uh, Club America. And, and, and Piojo. I mean, Piojo, El Piojo. The guy's amazing. He was another one I scored a, like, a ton of goals with because these guys could just drop in dimes, you know? And, and, and they, that was one, one of those. And Allison just had to redirect it. It was a fantastic header. But uh, yeah, my first thing when I see it, has nothing to do with the backstory and this wonderful thing. And Liverpool might make it. To the, it's more about how is West Brom not wa- ro- marking this guy? Six foot three wearing a, a, a jersey that doesn't look like anybody else. He's got gloves on, you know, mark that guy. So anyway. West Brom probably going, uh, that's not my man. Is that your man? <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, it's not my man. Is that Which your man? Is, oh, it's a goalkeeper. Many reasons why they're getting relegated. But that yes. pretty much, uh, that summed it up. At least they all had their man. They'll be in the thing. Hey, I had my man. I, well, I had my like, man. I They look like they were in zonal defending. I hate zonal yeah. defending on set pieces. That's for the birds. That's for the and birds. And I also love Al- and obviously what happened to his father is, is, is so tragic, but I constantly see Allison moved by emotions. And it, as I've gotten older and I drink a lot less, Jimmy, quite frankly, <laughs> I, think, and I, I know thought you were going to say more. I thought you were going to say more. No, you said I've last. been drinking less and I get more and more emotional. So I really gravitate to these moments. There was a video of Firmino in a swimming pool being baptized. Mm. And then the camera pans out and Allison's in the swimming pool paying, uh, being observer to all of this. And Firmino comes up and he goes, you've been baptized. And then Allison just starts crying. <laughs> beautiful. <laughs> you're now part of, a, you're part of our, the church and welcome. And Allison was moved. And it just gets me going. I just, I ah, love it. Cool. And a man that's of cool. faith. I wish I had more faith in, in my life, but I see that. And I want more faith, but I see that. And I think it's wonderful. That's great. The very hard pivot to La Liga. Let's do it. <laughs> so the other thing that was happening on Twitter Sunday was that Leti were losing to Osasuna mm-hmm. and then they were trending. It was like the number one trending topic. Atletic are going to blow it. And I go, yeah, they are going to blow it. Then Hanan Lodi scores and then Luis Suarez scores late. They win it. Real Madrid won their game. Atletico now are up two points. One round to go. You like to think their chances, although they have, I mean, they have grinded out wins here. It's hard to grind out win after win. It is Real Madrid pursuing you. Should worth mention, Barcelona falling to pieces at the end. Mm -hmm. And you can touch on this when I I hand it off to you. Lionel Messi, I'm pretty sure, is staying there. But after what's happened these last, as badly as it's happened, they're not even alive for the last weekend. 
which is stunning, mm-hmm. uh, that he's going to go, man, this kind of this isn't great here. I know it'll get better, but things are happening very quickly. And this is this is another bad taste in my mouth after Champions League. I think there's still a chance he might go somewhere else, maybe in small part because of this. I think it's a long, long shot, but it's I'm 90 percent sure he's going to sign with Barcelona. But I think that that all goes into the memory banks. And he looks at what he has and says, is this going to get to where I want to go? He is a free agent. But Barcelona, obviously, this was just a game changer for Atletico being able to avoid slipping on the banana peel. They still might. Oh, I think I think they hit the tape here. And then what happened was a, a, an incredible Sunday with one weekend to go here in uh, the European football. Yeah, what well, I'll jump in. I'll start with Barcelona. It all started with Granada. They were up, this is a couple games ago, they were up 1-0 on Granada in complete control. They should have, honestly, should have scored three or four goals. Whether it was due to heroic goalkeeping, heroic defending, Messi missing by inches, you know, other players missing good opportunities. What I've seen from them in the last few weeks is just not putting teams away when they had them. When they, when they, they basically had their, 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 their foot on their throats and then they just wouldn't, they wouldn't go down and squeeze. And that needs to change. What I'll say with you, I think I do agree with you. I think he will stay at Barcelona. I think he's going to be a one club man. And the one reason why I think is because Sergio Aguero is one of his best friends. And with Sergio Aguero leaving City and potentially going to Barcelona for free, for him to bring one of his best friends, I think he does miss Luis Suarez in a lot of different ways. We'll get into Suarez in a second. But having Aguero come in, it looks like Memphis Depay might be coming, and he's obviously been doing very well with Lyon. He needs to make that step. Gini Vinaldo might be coming from Liverpool. Uh, you got uh, Eric Garcia. They need younger center backs with some experience. He's coming from Man City. So, so I think they're going to make a few signings, that, and some, a lot of these guys are coming for free. That could make a big difference for that team as you start to age out the PKs and the Busquets and the Jordi Albas um, uh, of the world, and you start to build out this. And Pedri's been very good. So I think they have some things in place that, that the future should be okay enough, I think, for, for Messi to want to commit, but they probably need to sign one or two players to really get him to buy in. And, and uh, I don't know. It'd be interesting to see what he does, but I think he's going to end up staying. But, yeah, they ended up falling apart, and I think the biggest reason why is they just didn't close out games, and then defensively they just made too many mistakes. With Real Madrid, if anybody sees the highlights of their game this past weekend, they, it was offside. Kareem Benzema did influence the play. And they should, also the handball afterwards, which should uh, they, have been a handball. Oh, my God. I mean, they handed Real Madrid three points there. That's all, that's all I'm going to say. With Atletico Madrid, I find it incredibly ironic that Luis Suarez was the one that scored the goal that keeps them alive to win the title the same day that Barcelona gets knocked out from winning the title when Barcelona could have used somebody like Luis Suarez, who's a little bit more clinical, not always, but a little bit more clinical than some of their other players in front of goal. And that's incredible. And the fact that he did it like in the 88th minute makes it even more ridiculous. And Leti, just to catch everybody up, they play Real Valladolid on the last day of the season. Valladolid are in 19th. They're already going to get relegated. They have nothing to play for. Uh, Atleti haven't given up a goal to, to Valladolid in the last four times they've played. And, and yeah, it's, uh, it's looking like it's Atleti. They're two points ahead of, of Madrid, like you said. They just need a draw. If they get a draw, they go through. They just can't lose. So, so and well, Madrid still has to do the business. Madrid's playing Villarreal, by the way, and Villarreal are tied with Betis for that sixth spot 
Wow. Uh, Europa League and, Europa League and they have the Europa League three days later. So they have, I mean, they, they, that's a it's busy crazy. week. That's a huge it week It is a busy Villarreal. week, a, a big week for them. Also, Villarreal, if they win the Europa League final, they'll book their ticket to the Champions League. So there's, there's a way around uh, not finishing. But Villarreal needs to get something out of that Madrid game, as does Madrid. So it becomes interesting. And Villarreal just beat Sevilla 4-0. It's not like they're coming in playing crappy. They just crushed the fourth best team who, as of two weeks ago, were still in the title hunt. So uh, Villarreal is in good form right now. I'd be a little worried if I was Manchester United because they're not as in good form for that Europa League final. But um, yeah, it's, it's, it's all popping off in, in, in La Liga and, and also Serie A for you know, those top spots and, and Liga is crazy right now. So it's kind of cool to actually have these things at the end of a season where we can all get excited. So there should be a lot of great games this upcoming weekend. And we pick up the international week. I have a bad feeling for Atletico that it's going to – I think Real Madrid is going to win. And I, I've been really enjoying Atletico. I'm a huge Diego Simeone fanboy. We've seen him run up the tunnel without shaking hands. I love it. I just love it. I want to be him. I want to dress <laughs> like him. I want to have his temperament. I want to have a history where I got David Beckham a red card in the, <laughs> in the World Cup. I want all of it. I want all of it. So I, I have a weird feeling about Real Madrid winning, but that's fantastic. By the way, Lil tied, so they didn't clinch. That's right. going to go to the final match day, so... It's, it is tremendous. And then we'll, we'll go on. I want to leave this, this really quickly as we get ready for the summer of the U.S. men's national team, June 3rd, Honduras, hopefully June 6th, Mexico against the top team. Then in July, they'll have the Copa America with a, a different team, which is I think is going to be really exciting. Mm-hmm. I, I talked about it a bit last week, the possibility of these good young players that don't get called in like a Caden Clark or a Cade Cowell that can use the Gold Cup. It's going to be an incredible group of players that aren't good enough to make that 23 team. So it's obviously, a, a, it could be June 3rd, 6th, USA win these games. Christian Pulisic plays, takes the bull by the horns, get all the momentum for the United States. World Cup qualifying, I think, starts in September. This is, uh, this is what we've been waiting for. We've been building up the players in Europe. We've been building up the team with these friendlies. Now there are games that count. And... If the U.S. don't hit these spots, say they lose to Honduras, or which let's just leave it at that. Say they lose to Honduras. I mean, we could always build up the momentum, but if the momentum gets taken out with a result like that, it's going to be really difficult to overcome. I expect them to really show up and seize the moment. I think everything that Greg Berhalter has done with this team, getting him ready for this summer, has been really well thought out. Uh-huh. And I expect a USA-Mexico final. I wouldn't say they beat Mexico, but I think they can. And it's just these games, I feel like we're, uh, they have to be illuminated because they are important. Of course, every game at this point is important. Based on some of the work I get to do with CBS Sports, we get to interview people from time to time. And we had Greg Berhalter, Berhalter on. You've been dropping some names, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Greg Berhalter on about, uh, I don't know, a week and a half ago. And it was right after uh, Christian had scored against Real Madrid. And so obviously good time to bring on the national team coach and get his thoughts about how excited he is that Christian did that. And one of the questions I asked him, actually the only question I asked him, cause I was part of a round table of people asking was at what point do you settle with who you're starting 11 is like you have all these games and you have, you know, this, this conference league or nations league thing that you've, you've named a 40 man roster. So, so, Okay. <laughs> And when that happened, I was part of a lot of 35 and 40 man rosters. And you obviously hope to get to the 23. And at least at that point, you're a part of the conversation. And you can have a conversation with the coaching staff about where they see you and what you need to work on. So you whittle that down to 23. But then who's your 11? And because and, and, that needs to get settled in my mind. 
if we're really going to start to take bigger steps, you need to have an 11 that you, that they know they can build rapport. Do you think he's close? No, I don't think he knows. I, I would like to think he's close. He agreed with me. He agreed that at some point, you know, they need to lock some things in, but you know, obviously we've got the gold cup and, and just a lot of things to balance. And so I said, at some point before world cup qualifying starts, you should have your 11 to 14 guys that you're like, these are the guys, maybe 16 that, that are going to be the bulk of the core that are going to see us through so that we can qualify. I don't know. I mean, I think he's probably pretty close on who maybe those 11 are maybe not the starters, but like 11 guys that he can count on. I think there's still some questions. I didn't get into it too much with him because I, I didn't get to follow up. Right. So, but, but I wanted to plant a seed with him that, Hey man, I mean, honestly, you do as just as from a coach, I'm getting my a license right now with, with us soccer and trying to get all that stuff quietly behind the scenes. So whenever I'm ready to make the move, Max coach, Jimmy is ready coach for everybody. Jimmy, but, so, amazing. Jimmy. Amazing. What best jingles of all time, but I sing it in my sleep. Every yeah, night. I, it should be, it should be your ringtone is what it should be. But, um, so, so he's got, he's got options. I think that's the coolest part about our team. And I mentioned it earlier when, if Christian doesn't play well, we've got other guys, we have depth, you know, and we, we can, uh, you know, we can, we can maybe flip flop. My, my, I, I, I'm still, I'm a center back. So I'm still like, when he calls in Tim Ream, he's like you know, the one, he's like the one from the old regime. And I just like to uh, a lesser degree that yeah. you almost need to sever that tie a little bit and say, okay, it's all new. I wonder if it's because Tim Ream and him play similarly. You know, sometimes you see a player like, ah, it's, that's kind of like me. And you have a soft spot for that guy. And, and Greg was the same. He's a left-footed guy, could play left back, center back. Uh, not 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 the, the best athlete of all time, right? I think Tim Ream kind of like, actually, you know, somebody said that to me once and I was like, that makes a lot of sense, you know, because I would probably try to find a player on the team and somebody you always knew you could trust and you give them that opportunity. But I think I'm, for me, at least, I'm ready to move on from Tim Ream. So really, he's just got to solidify who his his best eleven are, best fourteen, and then really start to work towards. Okay, how do we make this core even better? Who do we maybe bring in and tinker a little bit based on the opponent or whatever it may be? But not these wholesale changes where we got an eleven new lineups, you know, yeah. every single time we, we are a new starting lineup uh, every single time we, we step on the field. But these are the games to determine that. And anytime we can get a game against a rival or or have some pressure like a Honduras, and then hopefully Mexico in the final. That's where you're going to really find out who can help you and who you can't, who can't, you know, and, and, and it's funny because I'll say it like this. If I'm a coach and this could be a bit harsh in some ways, and maybe I'll lose this, 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 as I become a coach myself, but if you have guys that can't perform against a Honduras and, and you, you can't, they're making mistakes at that level. Why in the world would you trust them against Mexico or in a world cup qualifier or in the world cup itself? Right? You, you need guys that you can get consistent performances that always show up and you can, you can trust every time you put them on the field. And so it's funny when I see these fans on, on Twitter or whatever, U S soccer, Twitter is unbelievable, but it's just, Oh, they don't give it. Oh, I don't care. It's just a friendly. No, no, no. Listen, it's not just a friendly. And, and, and because the, you're yes, talking about we, the nation's league, the nation's league, whatever we, when we played Trinidad okay. and, or, and Orlando, we beat isn't a friendly. There isn't none of this stuff is well, no, but like, say, say it's seven zero, right. Or, you know, we beat those teams seven zero or they're basically rolling out a men's league team or whatever but but if you have guys that can't perform in that game then you're never going to trust them in a world cup qualifier so in a lot of ways those games are very important so so it's just interesting how how uh, u.s soccer twitter is funny but um but i will say i think we don't know about that 11 i think he probably should know by june the 7th and see that i think he's close to like seven or eight guys I would like to see there's, I mean, the, the, the striker, I think it's Sergeant, but I would like there's to see lots of things. There's, a, there's a lot of, I thinks, and I think it depends on how you want to play. 
right? I mean, uh, DK and, and Sargent have two pretty different skill sets and what they bring and what their strengths and weaknesses are. And ultimately, I think we're going to need somebody that can hold up a ball. And if that's Sargent and we think he's the guy, okay. Or does he, does he press a little bit different than, than DK? Cause you know, we want to press a little bit higher up the field. I mean, these are just these little things that I think will determine who starts and who doesn't. So if ever, everybody ever wonders why is Sargent starting instead of DK, I was going to that voice. Why does Sargent starting? Then, then it's probably, I don't understand. It's kind of, yeah, it's kind of probably some, some really, honestly, really, really thin line between one being better at the other at a specific tactic and strategy that that Greg Berhalter is trying to employ. So, uh, because, way, but but because because DK is the hot hand, man. I would go with yeah, him all day. Every I day would go long. with him too. I'm a little worried because Zach Steffen hasn't had enough games under his belt, and I, I would wish that was different. So I know he's going to be the number one, but I'd like to see obviously into September where he's playing because I don't know if you want to bring a goalkeeper that's not getting regular games into a pressure situation like that. I know there's been like that in the past. I'm I'm not one who's crazy about it. The the rest of the roster, I think, is pretty close. And I think with the Tim Ream situation, we wondered if he was going to go to Josie and Michael Bradley and give him another run. He really hasn't. And Tim Ream is like that last holdover of – so it seems to me – I would be surprised if he makes that final roster. Maybe not too surprised. Because most of the, most of the new – it's that new generation guys to a certain degree up to like a Sebastian Legette and Jossie Zardes that are going to be a featured – being that 23 man roster. I, I don't, I, for me, there's pretty much locks all over the field and, and like, it's pretty clear. I, I think a DK or Sergeant or, you know, uh, uh, I don't know who else is up there. Um, I guess De La Fuente, Tim Weah, you know, I feel like those guys will get the start based on maybe who we're, we're playing against and what we need in a particular okay. situation. For me, the midfield's pretty set. Your wingers are pretty set. You could you could obviously tinker one or two, but the same. Sergino Dest is going to play. I think that if he's healthy, John Anthony Brooks will play. And then it's just of who's our left back and the other center think, back and the other center back. Those and Zach Steffen, of course. So so it's just those two other spots that I don't think are locked in. And I know he tried Sergino Dest out wide left, which is okay if he cuts in and has the space to do so. But as we've seen with Barcelona, Dest Dest is pretty good at going forward. So if you wanted to roll three center backs and push, you know, uh, Dest higher as a wing back, And that's kind of the fashionable thing right now. We see it with Tuchel and we've seen it with Real Madrid a little bit and, and many other clubs out there. But uh, that seems to be the kind of fashionable three center backs, wing backs. I don't know. It just kind of depends. And, and that's where Brian Reynolds can play right back. Then you can put Dest out there, Reggie Cannon. You know, we have some options at right back, but maybe not as many yeah. at, at left. So it's, it's, it's interesting for me as to what we do there. Uh, it's, it's, I'm just looking at the list right now. DeAndre we need, we need some more left. In. We need some more left footers wherever they. Well, we are. have the we have Anthony Robinson who's been yes, in Fulham, he's a, but yeah. he's he's a good player, but I don't think he has owned it very, yet. At very least. safe player too. You'll get you know what you're getting, but right. you want a little. Well, I don't know. I mean, it just it it. I don't think he's looked as confident as I know that he's capable of when he plays for the national team, and that happens, right? And that's part of continuing to get caps and and getting the trust from the manager and the other players that, Hey, you are the guy just, just relax, you know? So it's uh, anyway, I love our national team right now. I think we Me have too. a lot Me of depth too. at a lot of different areas. I don't mean to sound negative, but I do think that there's a couple spots that are wide open. And one of them is center back next to Brooks, assuming Brooks is healthy. And then the left back, I think is still wide open too. But left back slash right back. Cause it could depend on depending so on really. Depth. So really it's like that one center back. And for me, I, I know and understand how important that center back position is. And I, and I get the sense, I know how Greg likes his center backs to play. Are you coming back to the national team? Oh my, maybe as an assistant coach, <laughs> if Greg would have me. 
Jimmy, you've given so much of your time and I really appreciate it. As, as we part ways here, I want to ask a quick little yes or no. Temple, Temple City, is that Inland Empire? No, it's not. Temple it City, isn't. no, that's where I grew up. So Temple City, you can't really get off of like any freeway. It's, it's in between the, the 210 and 10 and we're, we're <laughs> like 10 minutes away from the Santa Anita racetrack where the horses run. And if you go the other direction, it's like 10 or 15 minutes away from the Rose Bowl. So oh, you're, you're, I am, that's much closer than I thought. Yeah. Yeah. I should yeah. come by and said hello sometime. Yeah. I was, I was rude. pretty close. Pretty, pretty close. rude. So no, that's where I grew up. Home of the Rams, baby. Let's go. And my mom just moved away though. So I don't have a touchstone to Temple City anymore. Uh, she moved to Austin, Texas. So I guess nice, I, nice I be, choice. Uh, yeah, nice choice. My sister's nice there, choice. and my aunt and uncle are there, and my cousins. And I kicked the tires on Austin a little bit. I might pop over there at some point. I really Dude, I, I want to go see their new stadium. I think it looks looks sick. And my former teammate and roommate for the national team, Josh Wolf, is the head coach, and obviously Claudio is the sporting director, and he's former teammate. And what's so up I've, with Josh Wolf? He looks like he's 19 years old still. It really <laughs> bugs me. I go my, the hair, my, dresses nice. My what favorite part about Josh Wolf, amongst many things is uh, he's super funny, but he's got going to be serious no matter what from here on out. But <laughs> he used to drive like one of those big BMW 750s or whatever, like the new ones that came out back in, I don't know, 2007, 2008. They were monsters. And he's, he's, he's a little guy. And I always felt like, hey, Josh, why is your son driving your car? You know, because he just looked like he's 15 at that point. And, and I'm like, hey, do you, and he used to hate me. Did, did you get to put a phone book like underneath you know, like short round in, in Indiana Jones at the Temple of Doom where you have to like short put a block round. underneath. <laughs> Indiana! So, <laughs> so yeah, it's, he's, he still does, looks like he's 19 years old. And, and, uh, but I'm excited for him. He got off to a good start. It slowed down a little bit as, as yeah. it does for an expansion team. But just the whole Austin scene, I think is going to be great. And their fans are already popping off and ready to go. And when the new stadium opens on June 19th, I, I, might, I might go out there. I'm trying to see if I can make it work because it would be pretty cool. One day, Jimmy, me and you at a honky tonk, listen to Let's some Waylon, Waylon Jennings, <laughs> cheap whiskey. I cannot wait. That'd be fun. I look forward to it, Max. Jimmy Conrad, the one and only, my hero. There he is. Check him out on CBS Sports and CBS Sports Digital throughout those channels and also his YouTube channel where the Christian Pulisic interview can be found. Coming up next on the Soccer OG, it's stoppage time. I'll be talking about the changing American soccer TV landscape with the big news that happened with ESPN and La Liga. This is the Soccer OG. Subscribe. Time now for stoppage time here on the Soccer OG. And a big, big news story for, you know, I gotta say, it's a little bittersweet too. Thanks, I don't work at ESPN anymore. I would like to get, I'd like to get a dabble in this. Maybe we work again at some point. But we knew the rights would be changing and La Liga, the Spanish league, always on being sports now, they had a big, they had a big powwow with Comcast. So being sports not available in a lot of markets because of that. It's it's heartbreaking because being sports, and I know everyone there, and Eric Krakauer was on last week, is on that channel. So many good people. Gabby Amado, George Metellus. I, I butchered his name. Metellus. He's going to kill me because I was going to have him on the show. George, I love you. But they do a great job, but no one gets to see what they are doing because it's not on. And, you know, they, they have Real Madrid-Barcelona, the biggest game of the year, one of the biggest games of the year in any league, and a lot of people can't see it. It's not their fault. 
Well, you know, we won't get into that. But that's how the business works. You know, we all have this new world where we have a, a, a streaming service or a cable provider and they don't carry this. And you're like, well, I don't want to, I want to see my LA Dodgers. We've gotten used to it, sadly. It's not all one-stop shopping. Everything works. So ESPN, who've been adding to their streaming service, ESPN Plus, you know, the UFC, the German Bundesliga, obviously they put all the MLS games on there, original programming. And every time they get a new property, what they get is subscriptions. And you want subscriptions. And you make a big mention like this, and people are going to subscribe. Shoot. Possibly seeing Real Madrid and Barcelona, you'll subscribe. It's not very expensive. It's a great service. You're crazy if you don't have ESPN Plus already, especially when they package it with Disney and Hulu. I mean, you're insane. You don't, I, I'm, not, I'm not insulting you, but you probably all have it. Just get it if you love this sport. So they have an incredible service there, and now they spend $1.4 billion over eight years for La Liga, which is great for the Spanish League because it's going to get much more exposure affiliated to Disney. Those big games are going to probably be on ABC. And La Liga gets better, and they could possibly make those steps towards paralleling the Premier League, which is the biggest league in the world and still getting bigger. Uh, La Liga doesn't have that Premier League potential because they have the two big clubs, but then there's a drop-off to three, four, and five. But you can build that. There's also the language. But ESPN certainly knows that a lot of the people in the United States speak Spanish, so it works. So that's the value, $1.4 billion, which comes out to, oh, what was it, $175 million a year? Amazing. It's big money. So this really is seismic in our industry. I always wanted to say this about being sports. They're not going to have La Liga, and uh, I hope that they keep doing things because it's. I enjoy it so much, and I hope they get bigger distribution, but it's just frustrating that we all deal with that here. We don't get to watch all the sports at the drop of a hat, but that changes that, you know, ESPN able to make this deal. And I think in years past, being sports offered the most money, and that's why the Spanish League stayed there. But what should have happened was, the I think the smaller teams all get a say in it. Now, if it was up to Real Madrid and Barcelona, they want to expand their brand. They want to be on Disney ESPN. The other clubs, they just want the money you get from being in the first division. I think it's safe to say that. I mean, I'm not, I'm not speaking out of turn here. You go with the amount of money because if you're Betis or Huesca, I shouldn't badmouth Huesca, that's my team, or Ibar, you're, you're not going to get any money branding beyond those broadcast rights. So you go for the top dollar. But now they're going to get top dollar. This is great to be in the first division in Spain. So they're going to have games on third. Oh, I, sh- I read out of turn. So we'll, we, we talk about what's happening there. And then we have the emergence of CBS, which brought the Champions League for, was it 150? 75 million a year. And uh, it goes on CBS, Univision combined for about 150 million. I'm just getting numbers I got online. These are pretty accurate. It's a big chunk of change. Remember, the Champions League is not a week-to-week tournament. You're not getting games. That's why they want to expand it. CBS did that. CBS came in, got Serie A from ESPN. Uh, I don't have the numbers there, but I can't imagine it's a crazy amount. The Serie A is not La Liga or the Premier League. Then the, uh, the German League fortified with ESPN. I think I read somewhere it's like $30 million a year. So it's not a lot, but I think the Bundesliga 
has a lot of room to grow because you have all these American players there. You have Jesse Marsh, an American coach. So that's a really good investment property for ESPN. By the way, I sound like World Soccer Talk doing this because this is their thing, and they have a great podcast, World Soccer Talk, on what they are able to do. So I'm just kind of I'm stealing their thunder a little bit for here. But I'm just telling something maybe they won't say as I get to the to my point here shortly. So ESPN has that. CBS now has the City uh, and the Champions League. They have NWSL, the development of the women's game. Huge numbers. I remember the Challenge Cup had like 600,000 viewers. It's going to do well. It's finally broken through. It'll still be slow growth like everything else. But this is an investment. So NWSL, they're on CBS. They have a really good platform. They also bought the Argentine and Brazilian leagues. That's kind of shoulder programming for the most part, even though they had the Super Clasico this weekend. It's fantastic, no? Having that? So as you can see, there's a lot of people in the game. Now, NBC, they have the Premier League. And obviously, that is a massive deal. They have one more year on that deal. It was like a $1 billion, six-year $1 billion deal that ends next year. And NBC Sports Network doesn't exist, but NBC parted ways with hockey. You figure they're going to go hard for the Premier League. And everyone loves what the Premier with NBC has done. I love it. And... That is an option that I think is now fortified because there's no hockey. They need that for their streaming service, Peacock. But the point is, you see, NBC competitive. These are all the European leagues. CBS, Fox, Fox in a smaller move got Copa America, which to me, and I spoke about them, was it last week, to me tells you that they're back in the soccer game. They have the 22 and 26 World Cup. They had the Gold Cup. And now right before the Gold Cup, they slot in Copa America, which it's not going to be a blockbuster tournament for them, but it bridges the gap and it shows Fox we're still in it. So NBC, CBS, Disney, Fox, B in Sports is going to be in the mix. They have the French League and they have South American Leagues. The South American stuff, what's going to happen with that as that continues to go on? And remember, we're going into that sweet spot of soccer. 2022 to 2027, Maybe the Women's World Cup of 27 is in the United States. The 2026 Men's World Cup is going to be in the United States. You think this is going to take a dip? This is going to grow every year. Grow, 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 grow. 2026, explode. And then in 2027, we say, okay, what happens now? Does everything come back together? And everyone's like, hey, I got a favorite team. I'm going to watch this sport all the time as opposed to this or in addition to this. So we have all these suitors. And that's what it brings me. And don't forget Amazon. Amazon's lurking. So everyone's kind of in the mix here. Next year or after next season, Major League Soccer comes up. And they have a, a smaller $90 million deal with Fox, ESPN, and Univision. This year, obviously, they want to make a big a big presentation. So they have, I think, 37 games airing on networks, ABC, ESPN, Fox, Univision, the big networks. They want to make a big push because they want that next deal to do very well. And I want that big deal to do well. That's got, I'm on the bottom line there. I work for the league. So I don't know anything about this. I'm just looking at the articles and I'm seeing how soccer is growing. And we wait for what happens there. I have no idea what's going to happen. And trust me, I pry a lot. I'm asking, hey, what do you think? Everyone's like, I don't know. And I truly believe them. We don't know. There's a banking on it to build, build, build. 
so that by the end of next season, which would be, let's see, November 2022, maybe just, let's say the end of 2022, the bids are up. And now we have everyone with a streaming service, so to speak. You have Disney, you have CBS and Paramount, you have NBC and Peacock, you have Fox, you have Amazon. They're going to have a big increase here. It's going to be a big increase. How much? I don't know. But when you look at the numbers, obviously the price for 175 for Spain, but that eight-year deal, maybe it's like a 128-year deal, and that helps fill the coffers. But when I look at Major League Soccer, and we know it's the slow growth. They had some national games. You look at FS1 had their biggest game in years. They had Sporting Kansas City and Austin. It got them a huge number. It still has to be better, but ABC had Portland, Seattle. It did like 650, which is really an increase. But they, those, because the reason is they compare them to what the national networks had last year, and they may not have the same number, but you have more national network games. Fox had a combined 670, I think it was, for LAFC, the Galaxy and LAFC. There's also Twitch. There's this Twitch situation, I, and I should have talked to that about with Jimmy. But all of these numbers tell you that the deal for MLS, and if it's, is it going to be Univision? Is it going to be Telemundo? Is it going to be another group in Spanish? I think there's going to be a lot of people that everyone's going to make an offer, but who's going to make the good offer? And it has to be financially, it has to be where is this best place? And right now at ESPN, it's a great place. You can see these games at the click of a finger on ESPN+. Fox does a great job rolling out their games on FS1 and Fox. Univision does an incredible job. I don't know if they're going to go. The English side kind of feels second fiddle. Uh, but there you go. It is, um, it's an incredible day. So I'm excited. I'm c committed here with Major League Soccer. And we'll see where it goes from here. We haven't even mentioned the U.S. men and U.S. women's game. There's going to be big numbers this summer for that because of what's happening with the U.S. men overseas and because the women, uh, the, the, the Olympics is going to be massive. Honduras, USA on Paramount Plus road games are going to be on that network. So there's going to be some fantastic numbers. Oh, the 2020 MLS Cup, just more good news. Remember the 2020 MLS Cup, Columbus beat Seattle. It had 1.071 million viewers on Fox, a 30% increase from the last time. These are just numbers. They can change, but you've got to feel the momentum. If you don't, then uh, maybe it's me. It's not me. There is momentum. This is the Soccer OG, folks. Thanks for tuning in. Make sure to subscribe, rate and review, tell a friend. Give me a comment. I'll be happy. We're going to make this a back and forth. Great games coming up this weekend because I'm taping early. I don't want to do the schedule like I do because we'll flesh it out. But obviously, it's going to be huge as we head into the final rounds in Europe, in Spain, in France, in, in England. So check it all out. Soccer OG. Subscribe. Placido Domingo.